you would, turn in your Bibles as we continue our journey in James. Somebody said, are we having a Mother's Day sermon? I said, well, every sermon is a Mother's Day sermon, right? The Father's Day sermon and everything else, it just, it just how you look at it, I suppose. But we do want to wish you happy Mother's Day to all of you. Uh, we are uh, so grateful for you. I am blessed to be able to uh, have my mother here and worship together. And um, so, happy Mother's Day to everybody. And we know, we do recognize that it, it is a tough day for many who have lost uh, those, or, or maybe for young women that can't or have not been able to have children there. So we know there are other emotions around this, but we don't want it to take away from the fact that for you mothers, happy Mother's Day. We should smile, yes? I know the rain hitting the sea, or you know, the, the roof kind of makes us down and, and other little things, the projector not working and, and just stuff like that. It's just amazing. This week I got on, you know, it wasn't as if enough hadn't had, had, had not already happened. I went to do the morning scripture and prayer and I was standing in the middle of the field over here, ready to go. And went to do the phone thing, and all of a sudden it wouldn't work. And I kept trying and trying. Of course, now I'm down to minutes, seconds. I'm thinking, oh my gosh, it's not going to work. And so all of a sudden, you know, if you're driving by, you're thinking, what is this guy doing, this nutty guy with a tripod and a Bible running across the field? So I run back to the office thinking I could turn the computer on, and we're all set. Turn the computer on, and it don't work either. It's like, oh my gosh. So now I'm texting all the tech people going, what's going on? And they said, oh my gosh, we forgot to let you know. We didn't think it would involve you this morning, but everything in Facebook at Bex went down the night before. So I, I said, okay, what do you want us to do? And they said, well, we'll just not be able to do it. I said, okay. I said, well, at least put a message out to everybody. So I, I get off the phone with them, and all of a sudden I'm going, God's just like, Mark, you may not be able to do it that route, but you'd think there might be two other routes you could do it. And I'm going, oh my gosh, we could do it through the church's webpage. And the church's Facebook. And I thought, then they can share it. You know, just exactly what I do, just in the reverse order. But we don't think in reverse, do we? Because it's opposite of what we want to think about. So quickly, we did it in reverse order. And I contacted them and said, hey, I did it on, on the church's Facebook. Can you add it up and share it and all that? And before long, it all was out there. You know, I did get some results. The people said, hey, I was having coffee and talking to my friend. And we're going, where's Mark at? Where's Mark at? But things happen. Went into the office after that, and I got Pam and Pastor Derek together. And I said, we need to pray. I said, Satan is doing everything he can to stop us. And I said, we need to acknowledge that. We don't just brush it off. We need to know who our enemy is. And because once we acknowledge our enemy and know who he is, then we know how to combat him. And we combat him through prayer and the word of God. Somebody asked, do you feel better, Mark? And I said, yeah, I'd do a little bit better. But So if you're going to hang around me after service, just don't touch this part of my arm. Because that's where I cough. All the germs are from here to here, right? See, for all of us that are older, didn't know that. Because when we were young and in school, you just coughed wherever. You wiped your nose wherever. Yes, we did. On our hands, on our feet. Well, maybe not our feet. Our clothes. Anybody else's clothes we could come in contact with, but now the proper way to do it is to cough in your elbow. So if you don't want to be infected, don't touch anybody's elbow. I am grateful for my wife. She's an incredible mother to our children and a grandmother to our granddaughter and soon-to-be grandson. But I am so thankful for my kids, too, because they make up where dad leaves off. Yes? 
Our son is here with us, and we're so glad that Travis came to worship with us this morning. But I got this text. It's like, Travis is going to pick me up. And I'm thinking, why? Well, I thought my first thought really was, wow, what a son. He's going to go pick up his mom on Mother's Day and bring her to church. Then I hear the real story. Her purse is locked in the trunk of my car with the car keys in it. So my son saves the day. Thank you, Travis. We went to take a walk last night, and when we got out to take a walk on the trail, we put her purse in, now I'm telling everybody, just rob our trunk. It's there. That's where it is. So I'm thankful for my kids that make up for where dad falls short. This morning, though, we continue in the book of James because every, every message is a, a Mother's Day or a Father's Day message to all of us. So James chapter 3, we had, when we left off a week or so ago, we left off with the tongue and the, the danger of it, and we all know that and are reminded of it each and every day in our own personal lives as well as if we listen to anybody else speak, we know and see the, the, um, the challenge of the tongue and keeping it where it needs to be. James goes on in here as we begin in chapter 3, verse 13, it talks about wisdom, being wise and the unwise, powerful words. Listen as I read the scriptures. James says, who among you is wise in understanding? Let him show by his good behavior his deeds in the gentleness of wisdom. But if you have bitter jealousy and selfish ambition in your heart, do not be arrogant and so lie against the truth. This wisdom is not that which comes down from above, but is earthly, natural, and demonic. Powerful words. For where jealousy and selfish ambition exist, there is disorder in every living thing. Think about that. Think about that verse alone. For where jealousy and selfish ambition exists, there is disorder in every, every evil thing. So let's just think about in the time frame we're living right now, folks. Does that, does, does that verse not apply? If we wonder why there's chaos and divisiveness and everything else, here in James, in one little verse, he tells us why. Where, selfish, where jealousy and selfish ambition exist, I think it does today, there is disorder in every evil thing. But the wisdom from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, reasonable, full of mercy and good fruits, unwavering, without hypocrisy, and the seed whose fruit is righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. May God's blessing be upon the reading of his word. If you would, bow with me for a moment of prayer. Father God, thank you. Thank you for this day. Thank you for the rain. Thank you for the grayness outside. Thank you because you are God. You are God in gray. You are God in sunlight. You are God in rain. You are God in sunshine. God, you are God all the time. And so we come to you this morning to worship you and to praise you, even with broken hearts, heavy hearts, Father, with issues in our lives and the lives of those around us, we come to you to praise you because you're God. And we must learn to rise above us and me and look to thee. The world looks at that as craziness. They look at that as being insensitive and not in touch and out of grips. And yet that's the Christian life. It's to live above the world and the worldly things that go on around us. And so even in the midst of sorrow and sadness and unhappiness, 
even in the midst of trials and tribulations, we can still worship you and give praise and glory and honor to you. We may not understand it all. We may not like it all. And yet, you are still God. You are the foundation that enables us to take the next step, to get through the next day, to get through the next holiday, because you're God. Help us never to take that for granted. It's the peace that you promise us in your word, the peace that surpasses all understanding, that even amongst all the yuck in the world, we can still have a gentle and joyful spirit. We can still live because we have hope. Hope in Jesus Christ. That's why we're here today. However we come, we come. Just as we are, we come. Father, be with those that we've mentioned, both verbally and within our hearts, and those that we're not even aware of, that are struggling in so many ways, in sorrow, in pain, in health, in family, in work, in mental emotions. You know each and every one, and you know exactly what they need. You know where they are in a faith journey or spiritual journey, or even if they have one. You are so patient with us to accept us where we are and then help us and invite us to walk with you and you with us in that journey. So, Father, bless as only you can bless. Heal as only you can heal. Love unconditionally forever as only you can. And we pray that we might be instruments for you to use to share that as well. Help us to look beyond us, to look to you, and to look to others. Bless this time we spend together. We pray that you are glorified and honored. Lord, we love you so much. Bless the moms near and far. Father, they are incredible people. It's your plan that there is a mom. It's your plan that there is a family unit, that there's an order in the family unit, and that each of us have certain responsibilities. Thank you that the moms step to the plate over and above the responsibilities that they have. They're incredible, incredible women. Bless them, Father. And it's in Jesus' name I pray. James asked, who is wise and understanding? Boy, if you'd ask that out in our world today, you might get smacked in the face. In the right atmosphere, in the right place, and all of a sudden you get a spiritual nerve about you and you just stand up in that middle of that restaurant and go, who of, who of all of you are wise and understanding? Either you get kicked out, laughed out, food thrown at you, or you just kind of sit down because everybody thinks you're crazy. But James asks it. He doesn't cut any mustard here, folks. He just asks, who's wise and understanding? Then he goes on with the whole theme of James that just resonates with every verse, every chapter in this very short book of five chapters. He goes on to say, after he asks his questions, with a statement, a call to them. Let him show by his what? His good behavior, his deeds, in the gentleness of wisdom. James 
continues this topic of we must not just be hearers only, but we must be doers. If we have aligned ourselves with Almighty God Himself, if we have received Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, that's not the end, but yet the beginning. Because we're called to be instruments for Him to use us to touch other people's lives. Is it always fun? No. In fact, today it's opposite of what the world teaches us. Stay out of other people's business. Well, I am so grateful that Lydia, as was mentioned in our call to worship, that Paul and Peter and James didn't listen to those words. They got into other people's business. And that is why we sit here today with salvation before us and worshiping Jesus as our Lord and Savior. Amen? If we hadn't have, if they hadn't have taken the challenge, and the challenge for them was possibly death, but they took the challenge because they caught the Spirit. And God called them and they responded. James goes on to say, let's test this quality. Let's test if you're really willing to demonstrate your wisdom. Not just have wisdom. That's where our world kicks in too. Oh, get all these degrees and read all these books and take all these tests and get all these certifications. And you have wisdom. And yet the wisdom that the Scripture talks about is something that is way beyond that and way much more simple and comes from one book, the Bible, the Holy Scriptures, the Word of God. Yes, many parts of it we read and, and, and we're confused and don't understand and we don't see it how it all fits together. And yet the encouragement from the Word of God is to continue to read. Let it be absorbed into our hearts and minds. And He, as He says in the New Testament, will cause it to come forth when that wisdom is needed so that we can be a blessing to Him, first and foremost, and a blessing to others. And then, as James proclaims, we must be willing to allow that to ooze from us, not only in our words, but in our actions and our deeds. How many of you realize, if you were here last Sunday, if you're watching online last Sunday, over a hundred notes, blank notes, left this building last Sunday morning? There were none left. Many of you were calling me going, hey, do you have any more? So between Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, I'm praying by Wednesday, a hundred plus notes of encouragement left people's homes and went to somebody somewhere to bless them. That's powerful, folks. Amen? That's because you were willing to step forward from your pew, walk out of your way, go to a table, grab a note, write an address on it. It had already been stamped by us. And then you filled out words of encouragement. Someone called and said, hey, Mark, should we write, are we supposed to sign it from East Union Christian Church? I said, you can sign it from East Union Christian Church. You can sign it from the president. You can sign it yourself. I don't care as long as it's a note of encouragement that somebody's going to receive at the right time ordained by God so that their life is blessed. Really? Just a note, Mark? That's going to have that revelation on somebody's life? You're darn right because I got one of those notes. 
at the right moment on the right day when I needed encouragement and the words written within it and Terry received a separate one too. That day it impacted our lives because somebody was willing to do what God wanted them to do. Now I want to tell you a secret, folks. You don't have to wait until we prepare those notes and do it again. You don't even have to go to Hallmark. You can take a piece of paper, any paper, even if it's used. I don't care. And fold it so it'll fit in a little envelope. And if you don't have an envelope, I'll give you an envelope. I'll put the stamp on it again. But you don't have to wait for me to do that. You can do that whenever God calls you to do that and moves your spirit to do that. Because guess what? If it's God-ordained and you are obedient to that, you are going to bless somebody at the right moment, at the right time, with the right words. You make a difference because God works through all of us to make a difference. Open that door at the store. You might think it's small, but it impacts somebody's life. Smile once you take your mask down. It don't work so well with your mask up, but that's okay. Smiling makes a good spirit. I even think you can read through masks and stuff nowadays. Have positive words to speak to somebody. That's what James is talking about. Let him show by his good behavior, his deeds, and the gentleness of wisdom. The wisdom of God. He gives two tests here in these few verses. One good behavior happens with a changed lifestyle of a believer. It's not just to receive the wisdom of God, but the wisdom of God comes in us and changes us. It's not just a matter of having the facts. It's a matter of having the willingness to allow that wisdom to move through us to bless other people's lives. The life of a wise person changes toward good, exhibiting ready obedience to God's Word. That's the test of, is the wisdom, am I wise in the Lord in my life? Has my life changed such that I am ready through obedience to follow God's Word? Love God, the greatest commandment. What's the second? To love others. Others, folks, no asterisks. No small print. No exclusions as in many of our contracts today. Amen? Simply love God and love others. How many of you have somebody that you just can't love? <coughs> what about the rest of y'all? You just don't want to say in church, do you? Let me put it this way. How many of you think there's somebody in the world today that you just would have a, a hard time loving? Now I know who put deodorant on this morning, those that raised their hand. Come on, there's somebody, somewhere, sometime, that you just struggle with going, okay, God, I know I'm supposed to love them, that's what you told me to love them, but I can't love them. Well, what you do then is you still become obedient to God's word, and you pray because he answers our prayers, and you say, God, I can't love them, so you love them through me, and he will do that. But we have to be willing to acknowledge. We have to be willing to be that, that ready vessel for God to use. It's not just a preacher's job. We fail as much as anyone and everyone. And woe to us when we do, but we do because we're human. But God has provided a way, as 
James explains through the wisdom, his wisdom, to allow us to be a different people, to rise above. I love, as I've told you, to find ways to do this good behavior stuff in creative ways, just to rock people's boats. Because God is a God of humor, too. Yes, you're looking at humor. So why not make somebody else's day fun as you share the love of God? Now, I promise you, honey, I did not want to do a joke this morning and bring your purse in the back of the trunk. But there are times when you just have to laugh, yes? Good behavior. The main message in all of James, this book, is real faith produces genuine works. Real faith produces genuine works. Smarts, wits, education do not make a person wise. They help, and they're a vital part, but I hear, I'm here to tell you today, smarts, wits, and education are not what make a person wise according to the book of James. The truly wise person reflects the truth in his or her lifestyle. The truly wise person reflects the truth, with a capital T, the truth in his or her what? Lifestyle. Wow. Reflects our wisdom in our lifestyle. The second test that James gives us here in these verses is gentle deeds. Gentle deeds. Deeds in the gentleness of wisdom. Deeds in the gentleness of wisdom. Think about that. That's powerful. Not just deeds, but deeds done in the gentleness of the wisdom of God. It's when we look to God for our guidance and direction rather than looking of what I can do in my strength and in my knowledge. Worldview is meekness and gentleness is weak and spineless to let others walk all over us. That's the worldview of meekness and gentleness. But it's not so in the Scripture. Gentleness is listed as the fruit of the Spirit in the book of Galatians. That is biblical wisdom we're talking about. Howard Hendricks of Dallas Theological Seminary said this many, many years ago, and every one of his students heard it, if not once, but many times. They won't care how much you know until they know how much you care. They won't care how much you know until they know how much you care. Many times in ministry called upon to be at a certain event or situation in people's lives, I would leave going, I didn't do anything. I failed you, God. I could not remember if I spoke a word or what words I spoke. Later on, days later, maybe weeks or months later, people that were involved in that event or time would tell me, Mark, you provided spiritual nourishment and guidance and comfort and peace. And I said, but I didn't say a word. And they said, it didn't matter. Just your presence and your spirit was what we needed. That's God, not me, because sometimes I go to those things fighting and kicking. Lord, I have no idea what I'm going to say when I get there. Lord, I'm not sure I should be the one. Send somebody else. Sound familiar from the Old Testament? 
But he says, go. And he took care of the rest. Wise and understanding. Now, before I close this this message I want to share because James points something in black and white, very pointed here. He says, look, but if you have bitter jealousy and selfish ambition in your heart, do not be arrogant and so lie against the truth. Don't go. Look at your own heart first. Now, some people use this as an excuse just not to do anything, right? Ah, Mark, my heart's not right. I better not go. I better not do anything because I'll say the wrong thing and it'll be the wrong spirit. I'm going to tell you what. God is the owner of time, yes? Right down to the the milla, 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 milla second, right? Well, if God is the owner of time and he desires and requires us to respond in obedience then don't you think when you think, and sometimes we just think too much, yes? Don't you think when you think that you can't say something or be something or do something, at that moment in time of the situation that is ensuing, that you can't do it because you don't have the wisdom, you don't have the knowledge or anything like that, that you couldn't throw up a prayer and say, Lord, I know I'm here, I know I'm going to be used, you want to use me, but Lord, I don't know how to be used, that he can't answer that prayer in that millisecond so that you can be used at that moment in time where he has placed you. If you think anything different, then you're missing the incredibleness of the God we serve. If he's placed you in a time and a place to be a blessing or a witness or a testimony or a help to somebody else, he ain't placing you there by yourself. What does he say in Matthew 28, the last verse? And lo, I am with you and you and you and you and me always. So throw that prayer up there. Be the vessel for God to use and know that you're not alone. You don't have to have fancy words. You don't have to have a long education. You just have to have a willing spirit to allow God to use you. And boy, will he use you. All across the New Testament scriptures, we see the word obey and obedience. Why? Because he's driving it into our heads that it's not just enough to know him, but he wants us after we know him to be used by him. Why? So that the rest of the world will come to the same saving knowledge. Now, he goes on in here. Verse 15, James gets very pointed. He don't mince any words here. He says, this wisdom, the jealousy and selfish ambition that he just talked about, this wisdom is not that which comes down from above. In fact, he says it's earthly, natural, and demonic. And if that steps on our toes, it should. For where jealousy and selfish ambition exist, there is disorder in every living thing. We're living in it. And we're all going, oh, I wonder how this all got this way. And oh, woe is us. And I wish it was different. And let's return to normal. I don't think we want to return to normal. I think we want to go where God wants us to go and get where he's wanted us to be for a long, long time. He goes on, though. But the wisdom from above is what? James tells us. The wisdom from above is first pure. Wow. Peaceable, gentle, reasonable, full of mercy and good fruits, unwavering and without hypocrisy. And then he sums it all up. And the seed whose fruit is righteousness is sown in peace 
by those who what? Make peace. There are a lot of people in, li- in our life today that want to make war. Now, not the big kind, you know, with the tanks and bazookas and all that. I don't even know if they have bazookas anymore. But anyway, you get the point. There are people that just want to make war out there, right? There are people that just want to cut in front of you at the grocery line just to cut in front of you to just start the war. Yes? There are people that cut you off on the highway. Get ready, folks. 31 is under construction if you haven't found out. And people don't know how to follow the signs. So you and me have to follow the signs, all right? People want to make war today because they don't know anything else. They like it when the world is stirred up and not at peace. And yet we are told we are the peace. We are what God is offering to the world. I want to close with this. And I'd read this, I've read this a couple times in a couple different books. But it is extremely powerful. This is from Mark Batterson's book, Not Safe. A century ago, a band of brave souls became known as one-way missionaries. Instead of suitcases, they packed their few earthly belongings into coffins. As they sailed out of port, they waved goodbye to everyone they loved, everything they knew. They knew they'd never return home. Now, this is true, folks. This is true. A.W. Milline was one of those missionaries. He sat sail for the, the New Hebrews in the South Pacific, knowing full well that his headhunters, that the headhunters who lived in these islands, they there had martyred every missionary before him. His coffin was packed. For 35 years, he lived among that tribe and loved them. When he died, tribe members buried him in the middle of their village and inscribed this epitaph on his tombstone. When he came, there was no light. When he left, there was no darkness. When did we start believing that God wants to send us to safe places to do easy things. Jesus didn't die to keep us safe. He died to make us dangerous. Faithfulness is not holding the fort, it's storming the gates of hell. The will of God is not an insurance plan, it's a daring plan. The complete surrender of your life to the cause of Christ isn't radical, it's normal. Quit living as if the purpose of life is to arrive safely at death. Pack your coffin. 